Are you just watching is sponsored by D Joseph Design at djosephdesign.com where you can get a website, web hosting, pretty much anything designed, including even presentations. djosephdesign.com. You have a message that deserves to look great. So make it look great with djosephdesign.com. Are you just watching? Episode 12, The Sixth Sense. I'm Daniel Lewis. And I'm Eve Franklin. Welcome to the one and only podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. It's great to be back in the studio again, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it feels like it's been forever. Yeah, it kind of has been <laughs> forever. But it was interesting that when we recorded this, well, not we're recording this episode now, when we watched the Sixth Sense, was the same night that I was planning to record my, at the time, monologue, but then Chris came on mm-hmm. later and became a co-host, but my, I was recording my monologue for Dollhouse, mm-hmm. and I realized there's an interesting similarity, and that is the actress Olivia Williams, who plays Anna in this movie, oh, really? Malcolm's wife, mm-hmm. is also the top dog at the Dollhouse. Okay. Yeah, it's like... Oh, kind of weird. That, <laughs> same thing. And the movie we did an initial reactions on before this was also a Bruce Willis movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're following a weird pattern here. Yes, we are. It's like predestined or something. <laughs> but there's this movie from the incredibly good storytelling mind of M. Night Shyamalan. It's about dead people. So if you don't like talking about dead people... You might want to stop now. <laughs> it's the movie, The Sixth Sense. wrote that music and he can write some of the prettiest music it is gorgeous it is gorgeous even though the movie is freaky (laughs) yeah you know when that movie first came out there was no way anybody could have gotten me to go see it it just just the previews of it freaked me out i did not want to see this movie and when i did see it it became one of my all-time favorites It's good. Now, I I knew nothing about it when I first went to see it. Well, I didn't go to see it. We rented it on a video. I knew nothing about it mm-hmm. at all. So the thing of dead people in it was a shock to me. And, oh. okay, I assume everyone who's listening to this has watched it already. Well, if we not, hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to spoil it. If not. <laughs> the thing about Malcolm being dead mm-hmm. was totally a shocker to me. Well, it was a shock to me the first time I saw it. I mean, I, the preview, I think, if I remember right, the preview for the movie was just that scene 
that's near the end of the movie that shows the boy telling his mom that he sees dead people. Mm. And there's nothing about Malcolm in that scene at all. And so you're not really, you really don't know what's going on with him. The preview didn't warn you about it. And so you think he really is a child psychologist trying to help this kid who has, you know, obviously some kind of problem. And so the fact that he's dead is a surprise at the end. To any, I would think anybody who wasn't warned prior to seeing the movie. Yeah, and M. Night Shyamalan, who is responsible for other movies like Lady in the Water, The Village, he's an incredible storyteller. And The Sixth Sense is an incredible story. Mm-hmm. Really neat story. So let's get into this. Right at the beginning, one of the things that stood out to me is the picture of the marriage that Malcolm and his wife, Anna, share. Mm -hmm. And it seems so beautiful of a marriage, but yet his wife says something, and she says it very lovingly. Mm -hmm. But still, that she says this, I thought was interesting regarding their marriage. Finally, someone is recognizing the sacrifices you've made. That you have put everything second, including me, for those families that they're talking about. He's put everything second, including her. For his job. So how could they have such a beautiful marriage if he's put her second? I think that's Hollywood trying to make it look too pretty. I don't know, because it it does come back at the end. Because he does say at the end that he didn't put her second. that That she was never second. And I think that... His attitude towards the reward, of course, at the beginning, he's drunk. But you you get the feeling that he's not really all that impressed. I mean, he says something to this order. We should hang it in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) After she so seriously reads it. (laughs) Yes. I just think it's hilarious that that he's um, so nonchalant about the reward. Mm -hmm. And she is so serious about it. I I think, to me, that, that tells you that Perhaps her perspective is different from his perspective. Mm -hmm. And yet in this, we see that throughout the movie, for those who don't know what the movie is about, Mm -hmm. or don't know the end of it, it looks like suddenly, ever since that, that their marriage is falling apart. They are not communicating with each other and all of this and... And he's letting her down, you know, he's like late for their anniversary dinner and all sorts of things and and late coming home and she's already in bed or she's already, you know, he's just always never there for her. Mm-hmm. And it it's sad to see it fall apart, and I put air quotes around that, fall apart so mm-hmm. quickly like that, that they go from being so incredibly in love and so committed Mm -hmm. to each other that the next fall, as it says, that they're completely separated. Essentially, Mm -hmm. they're emotionally separated, they're physically separated, Mm -hmm. even though they still live in the same house. You think. (laughs) Yeah, you think. That's the thing is we get the impression throughout the movie that they have this Mm -hmm. rough marriage now. And Mm -hmm. then, of course, later we discover that he's not actually there. And one of the things that I thought of related to husbands and wives in Scripture is Ephesians five twenty five through 27. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. And this is the way that husbands should treat their wives, of giving themselves completely for their wives. None of this placing them second so they can pursue their career. And I would even say, and I think I have biblical foundation for this, not even placing a, their wives second in relation to their ministry. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be second to their love of the Lord, but not necessarily their ministry. Because right. their ministry is their their busyness for God, what mm-hmm. they're doing for God. Of course, God calls some to go a little bit beyond that. Mm -hmm. But in general, like pastors, there are so many pastors that have failing marriages. Mm -hmm. I believe one of the reasons is that they are putting themselves too much in their ministry and not enough into their marriage. Mm -hmm. They're forgetting that order of priorities within the physical world, not our emotional relationship with the Lord and with our wives, but within the physical world of placing their wives... (laughs) secondary their marriage secondary right and it falls apart of course part of that's on the woman as well she has to be supportive of the man's ministry and and what he's doing um i think that 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 is a woman's position is to be the helpmeet, and if she's not helping then then that causes problems for the man as well just to throw the woman's perspective in there now something was very aptly put in the mm-hmm. movie regarding marriage. What was that? I can't be your doctor anymore. I haven't paid enough attention to my family. Bad things happen when you do that. Indeed, bad things do happen mm-hmm. when you don't pay attention to your family. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can't put it any better than the way he said it. I mean, that's true. Mm-hmm. You see it happening across our country. It's it's a plague in our in our society today that bad things are happening in families all across our country. Um, yeah, as the husband actively pursues some big career or the mother pursues mm-hmm. some huge career and mm-hmm. ignores the children. And I think the sixth sense really portrays some very positive looks at the family Mm -hmm. and at marriage Mm -hmm. even though cole's parents are divorced Mm -hmm. you get the impression from it that cole's dad just left Mm -hmm. not that there was some big argument but that he just left and of course we know that happens right but what was neat to see and refreshing is first the marriage between malcolm and anna and how how strong they were together and how intimate and how close the fact that she hasn't even been able to move on that she's obviously still grieving mm-hmm. i mean when you go back and watch the movie realizing that malcolm's dead you're seeing her as just obviously i mean she's got this really attractive guy that she's working with and she can't develop a relationship with him because she's still in her mind and in her heart still grieving for her yeah. husband and it, almost every night she watches the wedding video mm-hmm. holds his ring mm-hmm. and that that section near the end almost brought me to tears. And, <laughs> it did bring me to you know, tears. <laughs> why did you leave me? And yeah. Beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. And also with Cole's parents, 
Cole's mom loves him so very much. Mm-hmm. And that's made so obvious throughout that, that she will do anything for him. And it's not, it's not an unrealistic love that she's showing. Mm-mm. It's total commitment, total love, unconditional love to him. Right. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that even when she's when she takes him to the doctor and and they're and they're having problems when they think Cole has been abused and she she reacts pretty bad to that. You think I hurt my child? You think I'm a bad mother? It just you know, you're from you're seeing from her point of view that she's just terrified. She has no idea what's happening to her son. But then you kind of you can see from the point of view of the doctor, it's like they have this kid come in who's all messed up. He's got bruises and scratches all over him. And the only thing they're going to think of is that it's his mom doing it to him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad to see that. It, you don't know what's going on to, with a kid at home a lot of times. and And the very fact that he is so messed up. I mean, the part about the the rainbows and how um, he when he would draw nasty pictures, he would get in trouble. And yeah, one of my favorite lines from the movie: "Draw people smiling, dogs running." Here it comes! Here it comes! <laughs> rainbows. Wait for it. They don't have meetings about rainbows. <laughs> they don't have meetings about rainbows. That's a great business tip. Yes. Yes. I don't know, though. Rainbows nowadays are getting used by a lot of, um, well, other various. Uh, yeah, true. Uh, they might have rainbows about me- <laughs> rainbows about meetings. Meetings, yes. <laughs> meetings about rainbows. <laughs> I don't know. Nowadays. So then let's talk about Malcolm's work. Already we've talked about how in the beginning it seems like he's put this above his wife when really his mm-hmm. marriage has come first. But Malcolm is a child psychologist. It seems that he has a habit of classifying people as mood disorder, as we see with a very freaky person that breaks into their home at the beginning of the movie. Possible mood disorder. I was afraid. You told me I was having trouble coping with my parents' divorce. You were wrong. You were wrong. That has got to be disturbing for a child psychologist to see many years later that he Mm -hmm. he failed. Yeah, he failed him. You failed me. You failed me! So this character, Vincent, had grown up living with this problem that Malcolm had never fixed. The reason why he says that is misdiagnosis, basically, that Malcolm thought Vincent was suffering from a divorce from his parents, when really it was all this spiritual stuff going on. But this is one spot where it comes back to the divorce thing, is that a divorce between parents can really mess up a child. Mm-hmm. It can. Mood disorder... Uh, it seems like he likes using that because later yeah. on we see that he writes that about Cole, mm-hmm. possible mood, mood disorder, disorder. Yeah. diagnosing the same thing, essentially. But he is very dedicated to his work, and that's why he receives the w- reward. And Proverbs twenty two twenty nine encourages such behavior. 
it says, Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. And Colossians 3:23 and 24 tell us why we should try and put our heart into what we do. It says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. We should be pouring ourselves into what we do, not everything of ourselves because we still have to give to those around us. But when we have a project to do, when we have an assignment, a responsibility, Scripture tells us to do it heartily. Mm-hmm. I have a slightly different perspective on that, though. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's an- another quote earlier on, or actually later on. Are you a good doctor? Well, I used to be. I won an award once from the mayor. Had an expensive frame. It just kind of reminded me when, when he's talking about the fact that he won a reward that we're reminded to not do things for rewards, that that's not the purpose of doing it in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. Over and over again, Jesus says, you know, surely they have their reward because they're they're seeking to be praised from men for the things that they do, for the way they do good deeds or the way they pray or the way they fast. And it's just a reminder that we're not supposed to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth, Matthew six nineteen, where, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but we're to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's, that's kind of the, the slight difference here is that, yes, we're supposed to do things with the right reasons. And we're supposed to put our hearts into what we do, and we're supposed to have... Um, joy in in our working, but at the same time, we shouldn't be doing it for reward here on earth, because I think that's kind of the point of Malcolm's character, is he won this great reward, but the true reward he he lost was the fact that he had a a patient that he had failed, and that's what had tied his spirit to earth and and left him um, not aware even that he was dead or unable to move on, was because he had not completed the true mission. He had gotten the reward on earth, but it wasn't the true reward that he needed. Mm -hmm. And in relation to his work with children, Scripture says some very direct stuff about working with children, Mm -hmm. ministering to children. And it says this in similar things in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew 18.6, Mark 9.42, and Luke 17.2. I'll read from Matthew 18, 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Hmm. Scripture's pretty direct on, Mm -hmm. and the other verses say the similar thing, that we should not, we have to be very careful not to misguide or to cause a child to stumble in their faith. That's a constant burden on me because I'm in children's ministry with my church. I help Mm -hmm. out in the kids' worship and in the Sunday schools, and that's something I have to often think about is how can I minister to these children in a way that I do not turn them off to church, to the gospel, to worship, or any of that? How can I discipline them without turning them off to 
church and faith? Mm -hmm. How can I cause them to not stumble? I think it can actually be applied to people who are young in their faith, regardless of their age as well. Mm -hmm. Because we have um, young believers who, you know, they just found God and it's so easy for them to be pulled this way and that way by every little thing that every wind of doctrine, as it's put. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be careful about putting stumbling blocks before young believers and regardless of their age. And 1 Corinthians, uh, I think it's 8, talks about that of Mm -hmm. being deferential to the younger believer that we not cause create a stumbling block for them that we yield our own rights what mm-hmm. we may be comfortable with and have freedom our with. freedom in christ yeah. yeah that we not offend the weaker brother mm-hmm. there are similar things said for fathers in relation to their children ephesians 6 4 Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will lose heart. We see that Cole's dad did not fulfill his scripture, scriptural responsibility. Well, after all, he left. Mm-hmm. So he can't even be there to fill that. And he didn't leave things for Cole. He didn't say goodbye. Yeah. His just... absence is like the, this big sore in my, in Cole's life. I mean, there's that scene where the doctor, or, or Malcolm, sees the watch. His, what's obviously a man's watch on Cole's wrist. He says, your father gave that to you. And he's like, no. He's like, I found it in a drawer. He so left it. He left it. But yet we see the contrast of that is Cole's mom. Like we mentioned earlier, her unconditional love for him. Mm -hmm. And yet we also see that Cole's mom had some struggles with her parents growing up. And maybe that's why she is so committed to Cole is because she wants to make sure Cole knows that she loves him, that Mm -hmm. she's proud of him. At the beginning, at the, not the beginning, the the end of the movie, in a very emotional scene between Cole and his mother, Cole is revealing his secret to his mom. Mm Mm-hmm. He says that he sees his grandmother, or Cole's mom's mom, Mm -hmm. and says some very touching things that he heard from his grandmother. She said, you came to the place where they buried her. Asked her a question. She said, the answer is... Every day. What did you ask? Do... Do I make her proud? Very touching. Mm-hmm. That's... We see, I think, Cole's mom driven by that. Mm -hmm. That she wants Cole to know how proud she is of her, even though he's struggling so much Mm -hmm. that she is still very proud and loves him. Yeah. When he, when she, he's like, do you think I'm a freak mom? And he, she's like, look at this face. I could never think you were a freak. I think that that the whole thing is, he even said earlier on that he, I don't tell her things. Why not? Because she doesn't look at me like everybody else. And I don't want her to, I don't want her to know. Know what? That I'm a freak. So then when he actually does tell her, she 
basically says, you know, I love you unconditionally that no matter what, you know, I'm not going to think you're a freak or anything like that. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's very interesting that they do tie that in that, you know, she isn't going to look at him that way, even if she knows. Yeah. Very, very beautiful picture. Do you want a tissue? (laughs) (laughs) Cole himself. And this is starting to get into more of the meat of the conversation. He's a child that, well, as he says in that great parody line that everyone likes to make fun of. I see dead people. In your dreams? Dead people like in graves and coffins. Walking around like regular people. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they're dead. How often do you see them? Now, we'll get into the dead people in a minute, because that's, that's the big topic here. We may have to do a whole second episode on that. Easily, yeah, yes. I'm, I'm thinking we will. But Cole himself has this special ability, this gift or this curse, depending on how you look at it, mm-hmm. to see dead people. I remembered in scripture that there are record records of people seeing dead people mm-hmm. in well we'll get we'll get into that in a moment but <laughs> one thing that did happen is back in second kings there's an a record of an incident between elisha and his servant and elisha was surrounded by this army of people that were coming to kill him but elisha says second uh, kings 6 16 through 17 So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So one person had their eyes open, and they saw all of the spiritual beings around them. But it's a fine line to say that we as normal people might, some of us might have this gift, gift yeah. to be able to see people around us, dead people. Mm-hmm. Now that's a complete, what he's seeing is a topic all to itself, whether right. he's seeing dead people or not. But I'm talking in just the sense of seeing spiritual beings. It's recorded that mm-hmm. Elisha's servant did after God opened his eyes, but he didn't see dead people. He saw the spiritual realm. Angels. Right. Yeah. Guarding Elisha. You have to wonder, it's like Elisha knew they were there. Do you think he already saw them? Probably. Either that or he simply knew. Right. Because, I mean, you were saying that the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, but it makes you also wonder is how sensitive are those who are doing the will of God to the spiritual realm? Mm Mm-hmm because they are already in tune with the Lord's will and they can maybe not see it, but definitely be aware of it on some level. Right. 
that it is a gift that comes with, um, I guess, being close to the Lord. And yet on the opposite side of it, back in Numbers twenty two thirty one, the prophet Balaam, prophet for hire, more like, prophet mm-hmm. for profit. <laughs> I wonder if profitforprofit.com is taken. <laughs> that would have been Balaam's website. But Balaam is on his way to do something for one of the kings in regards to Israel, either bless them or curse them. And along the way, his donkey is doing this mean stuff to him and running him into the wall. And Numbers twenty two thirty one says, Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed all the way to the ground. So another incident of someone having their eyes opened mm-hmm. and seeing suddenly a spiritual world of spiritual beings mm-hmm. around them. I have another incident in, incident in the Bible, and I suspect this one would probably work better with a, a longer discussion of whether we could see dead people or not. But in First Samuel 28, there's an instance where Saul is wanting to inquire of Samuel, who's already perished, and he goes to a woman who is a medium. He says, well, whom shall I bring up for you, said the woman. This is verse 11. It says, and he said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, why have you deceived me for you or Saul? And the king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a spirit ascending out of the earth. So he said to her, what is his form? And she said, an old man is coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. So there are definitely instances in the Bible where people who are not of the Lord do bring up spirits and mm-hmm. and commune with the dead. And in, in this instance, I don't think Samuel was too happy about it either. <laughs> of course, we do know in, in Leviticus uh Leviticus 19.31, it says, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them or be defiled, for I am the Lord your God. So we know that what was going on there was against the law of God. Bringing this back to Cole and his apparent just born gift of this, Mm -hmm. we even see that in these pictures, Mm -hmm. that as his mom is cleaning, she just looks at the pictures and notices this little little twinkle Mm -hmm. floating next to him in all of these different pictures of him. And at first, I kind of, I thought, why didn't she notice that before? Yeah, it's like something that shows up in all of the pictures. So um, this is a gift he was born with, mm-hmm. and not that he acquired through some weird spiritual means or anything, but that he has had this ever since he was a baby. Mm-hmm. We see the pictures of this little twinkle next to him probably the dead person and that's how dead Mm -hmm. people apparently look on On camera camera. is Mm. that they twinkle you know who else can see dead people who dogs ah yeah that's right the dog comes running out of his room and scared in fear and hides in the closet yeah yeah so dogs can see spiritual beings dogs Mm. see dead people (sighs) after all if all dogs are going to heaven then (laughs) who else are they going to see dead things of (laughs) I see dead dogs. That's my dog voice. Ah, okay. Yeah, wasn't too good. In a play that Cole is a part of later on, it's the the Sorcerer's Apprentice, right? No, No. Sword in the Stone. Sword in the Stone. I was getting 
Disney movies mixed up. Sword <laughs> in the Stone. And there's that line from Sword of, in the Stone, and Cole plays the character who pulls the stone out, and the line is pulls only the sword he, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little dyslexic at times with my words, but not when I read, which is weird. It says, only he that is of a pure heart can remove the sword. And guess who's the one that removes the sword? Cole. Mm-hmm. He got that role in the play. Yeah. And it implies that Cole has this gift to see dead people because Cole has a pure heart. Mm-hmm. Scripture has some things to say about a pure heart, though. Psalm 24, 3 through 5. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. But to get a pure heart is only an act of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that Psalm seventy three thirteen puts it, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. And we can't keep our own heart pure. We can keep other aspects of us pure. Well, let me take that back. In the sense of what we allow in mm-hmm. through our eyes, through our ears, we can try to keep ourselves pure. But the initial purification is only from the blood of Christ to wash away our sins, wash our hearts clean. And Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see, not dead people, (laughs) for they shall see God. God. Mm -hmm. Not in bodily form, Mm -hmm. but see God in his works, Mm -hmm. in the people around us, in, in loving others around us. That's how we see God. Mm-hmm. One other little tidbit before we have to break and then split this into a two-part is the interesting position of the church in this. Mm-hmm. Now, the church provided no help to Cole. It was always empty when he was there. Yeah. Just a few people. It's a Catholic church mm-hmm. that we see. But no one in the church is helping him, talking to him. And when Cole is talking to Malcolm, he even says that it was other doctors and psychologists and such that had tried to help him before but couldn't. Mm-hmm. He never mentions anything about pastors or preachers or help from the church. And that's kind of sad that the church was outside of this. I think that the movie really presents religion as being very bankrupt anyway because you see the scene with his mother God, I am so tired, Cole. I'm tired in my body. I'm tired in my mind. I'm tired in my heart. I need some help. You know, I don't know if you noticed, but our little family isn't doing so good. I mean, I've been praying, but I must not be praying right. Looks like we're just going to have to answer each other's prayers. That, That really, that whole section really struck me that she says, I've been praying. I'm not getting any answers to my prayers. You know, where's the help supposed to come from? When I was thinking about that, I 
I stumbled upon this verse, Matthew twenty one twenty one through 23. It says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast in the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer believing, you will receive. Now, the audience for that, though, wasn't Cole's mom. No. It was outside of Christ. Right. It has to be done with belief as believing in God and praying for the right things, for the right reasons, to the right person. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's one of the things this movie lacks. I mean, it's dealing with the spiritual realm so heavily, and we're going to discuss that probably in our next episode. But what it lacks is dealing with the true spiritual realm, the the true salvation to to everything is is God and and our trust in Jesus and and if you leave that out, you can pray till you're blue in the face and you're not going to get an answer to your prayers. And I see that a lot in people in the world. Mm-hmm. They'll just say, I've been praying that God would help me with my marriage. But yet they are, that's almost an excuse mm-hmm. sometimes. Even, <laughs> I'm going to step on some toes, <laughs> even among Christians to mm-hmm. say, well, I've been praying about that and I'm not sure yet what to do. Make a decision. <laughs> I think sometimes we use prayer as a crutch mm-hmm. or as a a way to postpone things instead of actual communication and fellowship with God. Mm-hmm. Looking for the answer. Yes. Right. And eventually seeking it. I've, I've learned a lot about prayer in the last couple of years and have really seen that when I pursue God in a in a pure manner and totally pour my heart out to him he does answer prayer mm-hmm. now i've learned it's not always the answer i want but he does answer prayer mm-hmm. there was another latin phrase that was referred to in the in the movie which was in, ended up being translated out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. And I looked that up because I knew, knew it had to definitely be Scripture. And it's Psalm 131, out of the depths, I have cried to you, O Lord. I think that they do present this kind of this, this spiritual necessity of the supernatural. I mean, but the fact that it is an empty church and that Cole's mom has not found any help and no answer to her prayers is definitely indication that at least from the producer's point of view in this movie, the storyteller's point of view, religion, God is no help mm-hmm. even in supernatural spiritual matters. Yeah. What Malcolm says about the church, I find a little bit interesting. So in the olden days in Europe, people used to hide out in churches. They would claim sanctuary. What were they hiding from? Bad people, mostly. People that wanted to put them in jail. Hurt them. So the church, in the producer's perspective, was just pretty much a hiding place. Right, a sanctuary. And the world today believes the same thing about the church. That Christians are just hiding in the church, hiding away from the world. You know what? The world is right Mm-hmm. in that so many Christians don't know how to deal with the world, don't know how to give answers for their faith or give that that apologia, mm-hmm. the defense, reasonable defense of their faith, that they end up just hiding in their church and they hide their faith. 
in their church Mm -hmm. and they keep their faith there and don't take it with them for the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. Have we run out of time? We have. (laughs) We're running up to about 40 minutes or so. So we will have to split this into a two part. (laughs) You were right. You, you prophesied. Well, (laughs) so many times when we do these episodes, I think uh, we don't have enough to talk about. It's only going to be a one parter. We actually sit down and start recording. It's a two-parter. Always. Yeah. Dollhouse ended up being that way mm-hmm. as two parts. <laughs> About a TV show. Yeah. Which is still going, so we'll probably come back to that. We might have parts three and four and five and six and <laughs> however long. We have discussed some of the surface level items. Mm-hmm. We're saving the big, deep, juicy discussion <laughs> for the next episode, which will be part two. So... If you, our listeners, want to share any comments on this episode or give us some feedback, you can do that by leaving a comment at areyoujustwatching.com slash podcast slash 012, or you can send an email to us at areyoujustwatching or call 859-353-4332. You can also follow the show on Twitter, twitter.com slash the letters watching. And on Twitter, I'm twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. And I'm Eve Franklin. On Twitter. On Twitter, yeah. Yeah. We know you're Eve Franklin, but <laughs> that's who you are on Twitter, too. That's, yes. Yeah, I didn't want to get Daniel Lewis on Twitter. I just wanted the ramen noodle. And that's what I will remain because of my other show, which, by the way, you people out there, go subscribe to the ramen noodle.com, please, because that's my flagship podcast that's recently been reformatted. And it has fewer listeners to it than Are You Just Watching does. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, you aren't. But while we're on the con- <laughs> on that topic, I just want to thank all the people who have subscribed to our show because our numbers are really picking up and it's we just love having you guys tune in and listen to us. Yeah, and also we're very thankful for uh, to Jason for giving a donation to us. It, uh, we appreciate that very much. And if you'd like to support the show as well, you can do that by going to areyoujustwatching.com. And on the right side, there's the little button near the bottom where you can send a donation. And any little bit helps. Don't feel like you have to. Mm-hmm. But if you really value this conversation and you want us to be able to expand a little bit more, then any amount always helps. So as we wrap this to a close, I want to remind you to please tell someone about the podcast and help grow our listeners and visit the website areyoujustwatching.com and subscribe, get other people to subscribe. But until next time, I'm Daniel Lewis. And I'm Eve Franklin. And thank you so much for listening. You have no idea how much we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching? is produced and sponsored by D. Joseph Design at djosephdesign.com. The opening vocal talent is thanks to Mariah. Our theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis from their exciting Vacation Bible School curriculum, Operation Space, which you can find at AnswersVBS.com. Find more great, clean podcasts like this one at cleancasts.com.